Good morning, Gospel Chapel. My name is Dale Redford, and it is my privilege uh, to bring God's Word to us this morning uh, while Pastor Doug is away on vacation. And uh, there is a story of a pastor's wife who each week gently reminds her husband to keep his Sunday messages clear, short, and to the point. She passes her husband a throat lozenge just prior to his stepping into the pulpit. And when the lozenge fully melts in his mouth, this is his signal that it's time to review and wrap up his sermon for the morning. Now, unfortunately for her, a day came when the throat lozenge, lozenge uh, seemed to be missing from her purse. And she became quite concerned. So I simply said to her, Nancy, don't you worry. God has a hold of the reins this morning. Our scripture text for today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. We'll be reading verses 1 to 10. That's Luke 7, verses 1 to 10. And please stand with me as we read together from God's Word. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. And there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. And he, Jesus, was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith 
even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Now Luke presents the setting and the situation of the story for us here in verses 1 and 2. He lays the foundation for what is to follow. And looking back on Luke chapter 6, that's the previous chapter, we find crowds following Jesus as he both taught and healed. And Jesus' teaching here is very reminiscent of the Beatitudes recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Remember last Sunday's message about the foolish builder and then the wise builder who built on a firm foundation? That firm foundation was Christ. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. That's from Luke chapter 6, 17 to 19. Now in chapter 7, where we're focusing this morning, we're told that Jesus enters the town of Capernaum located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was a fishing town and it also a north-south north -south travel center for trade and commerce. And beyond that, it was the home base for Jesus after his being unceremoniously thrown out of his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus likely settled in Capernaum as this was the home of Peter and Andrew, James and John, fishermen by trade and apostles of Jesus. And there was a Roman military presence in Capernaum of approximately 100 soldiers under the direction and command of a centurion. And this centurion was quite distressed by a serious illness that had overtaken his servant that was expected to result in his death. And in Matthew's account, the servant is said to be paralyzed and in great pain. It is interesting and somewhat surprising to me to note how many Roman centurion commanders mentioned in Scripture, while perhaps tough and rugged on the outside, had hearts soft towards the things of God. At Jesus' crucifixion, 
And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Aboard a a sinking ship en route to Rome, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. Peter's call to visit Caesarea. Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And of course, here now in Capernaum, there a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Our first thought this morning is this. Hearing and asking about Jesus can change your life. Hearing and asking about Jesus can change your life. This centurion was a man of great military might, with a reputation for strength, leadership, and power. He had worked his way up the ranks, None of his soldiers would dare challenge or disparage their commander publicly. There was likely some whispering, however, and some trivializing remarks circulating about his fixation on Jesus. Now the centurion heard of Jesus, and he sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. Now, Jesus must have thought at this point, these elders are painting quite the outstanding picture of this century. It almost seems that they were attempting to purchase Jesus' attention, Jesus' respect, his healing power based on the centurion's many good works for the Jewish community. Still, Jesus went with them. I first opened my heart to hear and ask about Jesus at the age of 13. I was sitting in the balcony, 
very similar to this one here. It was a little bigger. I was sitting in the balcony of the People's Church in Toronto. And when the pastor invited people to come forward to accept Jesus in a personal way, I hesitated. I made excuses. I hummed and I hummed in my mind. But before the close of the service, I went down and forward, and the, in the quietness of a small room with a counselor at my side, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and I thanked Jesus for his promise of eternal life. I also thanked the counselor for the lifetime Bible verse he pointed me to, and that was now some 55 years ago. This was really a, a lot of oldies up here in this service today. <laughs> and this is the verse that was given to me by, by the counselor. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Dale, he said, remember now that God indeed has a purpose for your life. Romans 8.28 Hearing and asking about Jesus can change your life. Now the centurion's first contact with Jesus was through a delegation of elders of the Jews. And as Jesus grew closer to the centurion's residence, perhaps even to the entrance hall, a second delegation was dispatched. He, Jesus, was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I did not consider myself worthy to come out to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. These friends were able to share the heart of the centurion rather than just the good works of the centurion. These friends were able to share the heart of the centurion rather than just the good works of the centurion. And while the elders of the Jews spoke with great boldness and pomposity, the centurion's friends made clear to Jesus his great heartfelt humility. 
This was the real centurion. Our second thought this morning is this. Amazing grace comes from the heart by spoken word and action. Amazing grace comes from the heart by spoken words and action. When Jesus heard this from his friends, he was amazed at them, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Of course, the centurion was a Gentile. He was a Roman soldier. He was not part of the Jewish family. And this was part of the reason that Jesus said this. I've not found such great faith even in Israel. And later in Luke's Gospel, uh, and this follows, I believe, in the very next chapter of Luke's Gospel. Later in Luke's Gospel, with Jesus asleep in a boat with his disciples, they feared a mounting storm was coming and was upon them and was going to take their ship down, and they fearfully roused Jesus from a deep sleep. And we read this. He, Jesus, got up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. Where is your faith? This centurion was well acquainted with military authority, respect, power, and obedience. His spoken word and commands became, in effect, an instant guarantee of action and fulfillment. When the centurion speaks, you do. He was saying this to Jesus. As easy as it is for me to complete a task by simply ordering it done, I believe, Jesus, you can do the same for my servant from right there outside my residence. The parched fields. The fields were parched and brown from lack of rain, and the crops lay wilting from thirst, and people were anxious and irritable as they searched the sky for any signs of relief. Days turned into arid weeks, and no rain came. The ministers of the local churches called for an hour of prayer on the town square the following Saturday, and they requested that everyone bring an object of faith for inspiration. At high noon on the appointed Saturday, the townspeople turned out en masse, 
filling the square with anxious faces and hopeful hearts. The ministers were touched to see the variety of objects clutched in the prayerful hands of the people. Bibles, holy books, crosses, rosaries. And when the hour ended, as if on magical command, a soft rain began to fall. And cheers swept through the crowd as they held their treasured objects high in gratitude and praise to God. And from the middle of the crowd, one faith symbol seemed to overshadow all the others. A small nine-year-old child sitting on the shoulders of her grandfather had brought and extended her bright red umbrella high in the sky. Amazing faith comes from the heart by spoken word and action. Now Luke concludes the story of the centurion and his ailing servant very succinctly in a single verse at the end of this passage. In verse 10 we read, Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and they found the servant well. Our final thought this morning is this. Jesus' words are trustworthy. Jesus' words are trustworthy. I'm sure there was rejoicing in that house on that day. Perhaps also amazement. But for those who had put their faith in Jesus, there was no surprise. Rather, in its place came words and thoughts of thanksgiving and praise to God. We read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11.6 And finally, from St. Augustine, living in the 4th and 5th century, I believe, he says, Faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what we believe. Jesus' words are trustworthy. I would encourage you to read through the Gospel of Luke on your own to see how Luke collects and shares more events highlighting the person, the power, the divine nature, the love and compassion of Jesus 
for hurting people. And remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hearing and asking about Jesus can change your life. Amazing faith comes from the heart by spoken words and action. And Jesus' words are trustworthy. May grace and peace be multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen.